believe this Sunday uh, we'll be meeting uh, as well after the third service for some pizza and game, and they always have a great time. Great group of middle schoolers that are there on Sunday afternoons as they gather together for their time of fellowship. So uh, we're just praying. We're praying for our country. I want to pray for our nation as we're going to see a transition of power. And here's the thing I want to remind you of is that Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, he said that we're to pray for all men and for those who are in authority, for, for kings and, and for all of them, that it's God's desire that all should come into the knowledge of the truth. And so we need to pray for our new president. We need to pray for uh, who got inaugurated and sworn in today and uh, our leaders and our leaders in our states. And we are commanded in God's word to do that, not if we like them or if we uh, voted for them, but we are to pray for our leaders and we are to be ones. Of course, we stand for righteousness and, and we see the things going on around us and we get concerned. Of course we do, but we are to pray as Christians. And I want to remind you of that. So we want to pray for our nation and for our leaders that there be a turning to the Lord and there be a spiritual revival for our nation because that is the hope of our nation right now is that we turn to Jesus. And it's a hope for any nation that they would turn to Jesus. And so, Father, as we begin our study, uh, we do come as we have a new president that has been sworn in and there's been a transition of power. And, Lord, I do pray that, um, that our leaders in Washington, our leaders here in Colorado, that there would be light uh, that would be among them. I, I thank you for the Christian leaders that are uh, in Washington and in Denver. Uh, and, and I know some personally here in Colorado that they are Christians and they're light. And I thank you for them. And they're in uh, the Capitol. And I just pray that they would be a light and have influence and stand for righteousness. And Lord, we pray for a spiritual revival in our nation. There be a turning to you. And uh, we know that's the hope of this nation. We need your help. We need you. And you have blessed our nation. And, and I pray that there would be, uh, Lord, just a humbling, that we would repent from our sins and that we would look to you to heal our land and our nation. Father, as we continue with this COVID um, pandemic that has affected us in so many ways, we pray for uh, cleansing and a healing uh, in our land, um, in, in, in our nation, across the world. Uh, and we just pray for this virus to go away. And I thank you for those. I just want to take the time for those who have been working in uh, the medical fields and working with COVID patients and in the hospitals and in the clinics. I thank you for their commitment. I thank you for um, their training. I thank you for their service to us. And I know they're weary and they're tired. And Lord, we want to remember them. We just pray for your hand to be upon them, that they would continue with endurance and strengthen them. And Lord, I do pray for us here at Calvary Chapel that as we continue in the word of God, we would be established in the word. And we are going to see that Ezekiel was told to speak the truth. And that's what we are to do. And there may be those, we know there are those, who don't like it. Uh, and they will come against us. But Lord, we're to be faithful to you. So bless this time in the study of your word. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And so we opened the book of Ezekiel uh, last week. And I just want to remind you, as most of you know, if you've been with us in our study going through Isaiah and then Jeremiah and now Ezekiel, that historically what has taken place is that the house of Judah uh, has gone off into captivity. We know that in 722 B.C., when Isaiah was on the scene, that the ten northern tribes, the house of Israel, were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. Well, in 605 B.C., the Assyrians, that empire had declined. The Babylonians came to power, and they took the house of Judah, the choice men of Judah, away captive as Nebuchadnezzar now becomes the king of Babylon. They are the world power. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, when he hears that his father has passed away, that he's on his way back. He had been uh, defeating the Egyptians, um, and he's solidifying his power, the military power, but then he's going to solidify uh, the, the throne of Babylon. And so he is going back to Babylon when he gets the news that his father had passed away, and he passes through Jerusalem in 605 B.C., 
and he takes the choice men of Judah away captive, just as it was told to Hezekiah a uh, hundred years before that, over a hundred years before that, by Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 39, we read about that, that Isaiah came to, to, Jer uh, to Hezekiah, the king at that time, who had recovered from his sickness. And it was some uh, envoys from Babylon. They were a small empire at that time. They came to see uh, Hezekiah, and Hezekiah showed them everything, all the treasuries of the house of the Lord. And Isaiah said that the time's going to come, not in your time, Hezekiah, but the time's going to come when the men are going to be taken off into captivity, the choice men of, of Judah, and also the treasuries that you showed these guys, because they're, they're making a record of all of it. And that's exactly what happened, 605 B.C. Daniel is taken off into captivity, and we also know his three friends. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember of Daniel chapter 3? They were thrown in the burning, fiery furnace. They are taken off to Babylon to serve in the affairs of the Babylonian government. And Daniel's in Babylon in the palace there at that time. Then the second wave of, of deportation, or the second time that Nebuchadnezzar and the troops came into Jerusalem, they would take Ezekiel away. So he's at the river Chapar, as we saw last week, among the captives, and he is prophesying. And then Jeremiah is left behind, and he is ministering there in Jerusalem, as we saw in all those chapters going through the book of Jeremiah. And so here is Ezekiel. God's still working. God's still speaking, and here is Ezekiel that as we go through his book, what we're going to see that Ezekiel has a lot of visions. We saw that in chapter 1 that he looked, and it looked like a thunderstorm was coming, but uh, with it, uh, this was uh, a great cloud rage, uh, with fire, um, a raging fire, it says, and uh, there was the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. He, he's seeing the, the throne chariot of God, the four living creatures, which are the cherubim we are told in the book of Ezekiel. And they have the face of, an, uh, of a man, the face of an ox, the face of an eagle, uh, and the face of a lion, and uh, these angelic creatures that are described to us. And then he continues to talk about uh, that throne chariot, the throne of God, the appearance, uh, as it were, the color of amber, the appearance. That's a word that you see over and over again. It's very familiar to John's vision that we see in chapter 4 as he was taken by the Spirit in that vision of heaven. Uh, he would describe the appearance of one who sat on the throne and the noises and the four living creatures as well. And, and so they're saying in the likeness of, in the appearance of, because they can't fully see the glory of God, otherwise they would be consumed. So they give this description of the throne of God, and we know that we end chapter 1, let's read it, of Ezekiel. So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. So Ezekiel is overwhelmed. He you know, falls uh, on his face. It's like John, when he saw the resurrected Lord, he would fall on his face as if he was dead. And we also know that it was Isaiah, when he saw the throne there, that in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he would say, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And whenever they are in the presence of the Lord, the light of the Lord, the holiness of the Lord, they're just overwhelmed. And I, and I know that as we draw closer to the Lord, it was Paul that would say, you know, of himself that I am the chiefest of sinners. And I think that Paul says that, not that he had some deep, dark sin that nobody knew about that he was committing all the time, but he realized that he was one that persecuted the church he persecuted Christians, and by the grace of God, as the Lord came to him, he fell, you know, as he saw Jesus on that road to Damascus. He was blinded. Uh, he was overwhelmed, but he just realized as the light of God and the holiness of God uh, is real to us that we just humble ourselves, and, and it causes us to fall on our knees and to say, whoa, and that's why we're so grateful for his grace and his love and his mercy that is extended to us. So we continue here as Ezekiel is going to be told to go to a rebellious nation. And that, of course, is the house of Judah. We read in chapter 2 of Ezekiel, verse 1. And he said to me, 
the Son of Man, stand on your feet, and I will speak to you. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. So Son of Man is used 93 times in this book, and it's referring to Ezekiel. It's a title emphasizing that he is a man among men. Now, when you go to Daniel's book in chapter 7, verse 13, in the vision that Daniel has of the Ancient of Days, that we see that there is one coming in the clouds, uh, the Son of Man. And that is a messianic title. It is a divine messianic title. And Jesus in the Gospels, he would refer to himself as the Son of Man some 80 times in the Gospels. So it refers to the divine Messiah when Jesus uses it. Here is Ezekiel uses it in this vision as he's told son of man. It's speaking that he's a man among men. Now, one of the things about Ezekiel is he has many visions that we're going to see in the book of Ezekiel. And they're incredible visions. And we will see that going through this book. Uh, incredible prophecies concerning the future that is yet future for the nation of Israel that even in our lifetime we have seen some of these prophecies be fulfilled and we even see stage setting events of some of these prophecies that will take place in the latter days it's, it's quite exciting so you don't want to miss this study but Ezekiel and Daniel had incredible visions Daniel had four visions that we see from uh, chapter 7 through the end of the book, chapter 12. Ezekiel has many visions. Jeremiah didn't have as many uh, the visions that, that we read about with the other two prophets that were on the scene during this time. Jeremiah was very direct, wasn't he? He was like, destruction is going to come, judgment is going to come if you don't turn uh, away from your rebellious uh, you know, worship and rebellion against God. And he would warn them, don't rebel against Nebuchadnezzar or Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. So Jeremiah and his prophecies were very, very direct. He gives some amazing prophecies, particularly when it comes to the new covenant and the time that Israel is going to be restored. So he's speaking the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord. And he would speak about the new covenant and other prophecies. Here, many of the prophecies of Ezekiel come through visions. And so he is told that he is to, uh, to stand as the Spirit of God was in him. And we can stand because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we need to, to remember that. Paul, when he was writing the last exhortation to the Corinthian believers, he would say, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong, and all that you do, do with love. And I love that final exhortation. It's some of my favorite verses uh, in my life to apply to my life, to watch. And we're going to see in chapter 3 that Ezekiel is going to speak about the watchman. And we're going to talk about watching in just a little bit. But we are to stand fast in the faith. And we cannot stand fast in the faith unless we have the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Remember that Zechariah was told that it's not by might, or Zechariah would give uh, that prophecy to Zerubbabel, who would come back after the captivity to rebuild the temple. But Zerubbabel, that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, Zechariah chapter 4. And we, as we are told to stand fast in the faith, we are able to stand as the Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts and empowers us to be able to stand for the Lord. It reminds me of one of David's mighty men. Remember David's mighty man, Shammah, that we read about in Second Chronicles, um, that uh, also in Second Samuel as well. And David had three main mighty men. And uh, one of them was Shammah, that he was told by David that you are to guard this field of, of lentils, of beans. And he did. He heard the command of the king, guard this field of, of beans, of lentils. And all of a sudden, somebody yelled out, the Philistines are coming. And everybody split. And Shammah was there. And he would take on the Philistines, and he would defeat them. That's how he became one of David's mighty men. And we know that the Lord, I believe, as he looked down at Shammah, hearing the command of the king say, stand ground, stand fast, guard this field, that the Lord said, I like that. And he empowered Shammah 
to defeat the Philistines. Because when you look at David's mighty men, how they defeated, you know, Philistines, uh, hundreds of them uh, in one battle uh, and taking on giants and defeating them, they were empowered by the Spirit of God. And you and I, we are to stand fast in the faith. We are to plant ourselves in the faith. And how we do that is taking in the Word of God. We're going to see here that it's going to be Ezekiel that's told to eat this scroll. And we are to take in the Word of God because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, Romans chapter 10. And we're able to stand fast as we're planted in the Word of God and as the Spirit of God is working in our lives. So he was able to stand because of that. We continue in chapter 2, verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, I'm sending you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are, uh, for they are impudent and stubborn children. Impudent means uh, stiff face, hard heart. A hard heart, that's what it means. They're stubborn. I'm sending you to them, and you sh shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. So the children of Israel, as we know at this time in history, had rebelled and refused to listen to God. Uh, it's recorded in Jeremiah. They would say, we're going to follow the dictates of our hearts. We're not going to listen to you. And even in their captivity, when it began in 605 B.C., they continued that in their captivity. So Ezekiel is going to be given a message to speak to them. Verse 5, as for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are, are, are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words through briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. You're in a wilderness here. You're in a desert where there's scorpions and, and thorns and stickers and all of that. He says, even in this dry time, and it was not just a dry place physically, it was a dry place spiritually. You don't have to be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You know, we hear a lot about climate change, and we here in Colorado at this time, we were in a drought, and we had one of the driest summers uh, ever recorded this last summer. And, of course, the fires came and burnt hundreds of thousands of acres uh, in the forest just west of here. And there were many days that the ash was falling on us, and, and it was a, almost like an apocalyptic cover of ash. It was eerie, wasn't it? And, and we are going through a drought not only physically but spiritually as well in this land. And here, as we are going through a time like this, we are told we don't have to be afraid. And we were talking about it in our staff meeting yesterday that um, we, we really, the feedback that we're getting from people is that there's a lot of people that are afraid right now. They're afraid as a new administration has taken over. They're afraid in the direction of our nation. They're afraid of what's going on around us. And, and we don't have to be afraid in the days in which we're in because we have a glorious promise given to us of the Lord. We belong to a kingdom that lasts forever. We can be concerned, but we don't have to be afraid. And we have a message to be able to give to others. And we don't have to be afraid to give that message to give to them. And, and, and there's, you know, uh, we have a nation that is more rebellious against the Lord than ever before. Uh, we do read in verse 7, You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they're rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And so what we see here is that uh, whatever uh, you are to do, Ezekiel, you are not to withhold and refuse to give the words that I am to give to these people. Don't refuse because you're stubborn. Don't refuse because you're afraid. But you are to, to do it to this rebellious house. Open your mouth Eat what I give to you. Now, this is interesting, as we read in verse 9, as that hand is stretched out, and, and the scroll in the book was in it. And now as we finish the chapter and then go into chapter 3, then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside, 
and on the outside and written on it were lamentations and mournings and woes because the prophecies that Ezekiel is going to be giving are difficult prophecies. They're, they're going to be uh, difficult uh, words for the people to hear and, and the visions are difficult. Just as Jeremiah, the words that he gave to the people as well as Isaiah were very difficult words. It, it was a difficult message speaking of judgment and speaking of uh, destruction and devastation and death that would come because of their rebellion but yet they were told to do that in chapter 3 moreover he said to me son of man Eden what you find eat this scroll and go and speak to the house of Israel so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that scroll and he said to me son of man feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. Now, this is interesting to me, as Ezekiel's told to eat this scroll. And, and what is that all about? Well, the scroll represents the Word of God. You're going to eat it, and you're going to be able to speak the Word of God to others. So he takes in the Word of God, and, and then he's going to be able to, to give it out. And it reminds me so much of what... Uh, Moses was told in the book of Exodus in chapter 32 you remember that after the children of Israel they're at the mountain of God when they came they're waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain right he had been up there receiving the the law of God and all of a sudden they built a golden calf they began to fornicate and, and commit sin and the Lord said to Moses Moses get down because uh, the people have sinned a great sin matter of fact the Lord said your people have sinned a great sin Moses and Moses reminded the Lord they're your people you know you said that that we are uh, your people and and they belong to you the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and Moses would go down he would deal with the people and then he would go back up on the mountain the next morning and he would intercede on behalf of the people People. And he would say, Lord, forgive them their sin. If not, blot me out of the book of life. And that just amazes me, the shepherd heart that Moses had, because it wasn't that long before that that Moses said, I don't want to go. When he saw the burning bush, remember? And the Lord said, go, I'm going to use you to free the children of Israel from Egypt. And, and Moses said, Son, somebody else, I can't go. And he would go. But he he had that shepherd's heart, and he says, Lord, forgive them, if not blot me out of the book of life. It reminds me of Paul, who said, oh, I, I hurt for my countrymen, and I would be a curse for their salvation. And, and that really is a shepherd's heart, having a heart for the Lord, even willing to, to be blotted out of the book of life or be a curse for the salvation of the people that they love and care for. But the Lord said, hey, they'll be responsible for their sin, even as Ezekiel we will see when we get to chapter 18 that the people are responsible for their sin. But we also know that then the Lord would say to Moses, Moses, take the people to the place that I have spoken to you about. Lead them to the place that I've spoken to you about. And listen, this is important. For you dads, for you parents, for you who are ministering to others, you cannot lead others if you're not hearing from the Lord, if you're not receiving the word. How can you lead others to a place that, that you're not being spoken to by the word of God and by the voice of the Lord? You can't lead. You can't show them where to go. And Ezekiel, you are to take in the word of God. You're to eat this scroll. It represents the word of God. And then you're going to be able to give that word out to others. But it does remind me also of this in Revelation chapter 10 that you see that John, in, uh, he was told by, by that mighty angel that he was to eat that scroll, that little book that was given to him. And John, let me read it to you. It's quite interesting, and there's some parallels in this as well. In Revelation chapter 10, that we see that um, I went to the angel and said to him, give me the little book. And he said to me, take and eat, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be sweet as honey in your mouth, just as it was with Ezekiel. And then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. Kind of like a Chinese course, sweet and sour pork, you know. It was sweet in his mouth, but bitter in his stomach. Listen, we are to take in the word of God. We are taking the meat of the word of God. That's what we are told. It's so important that we do that. 
And in the book of Hebrews, in, in that first century, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5, he says, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, here he's talking about spiritual maturity. He says, at a time that you guys ought to be teachers, you're still dribbling in milk. You have come to need the milk and not solid food. The Lord desires for us to take in the meat of the word of God, not just be driveling in milk. Now, Peter in his epistle writes that we should desire the pure word of God as a newborn babe desires milk. What is that all about? Well, that's a different application because a newborn baby, when they are hungry, they need to nurse on, on milk. And when they want to nurse, any of you that have had you know, newborns and, and raised children, that you know that when a baby wants to nurse, they want to nurse right now. They start hollering, they start screaming, they start crying until they get their milk. So what Peter is saying is we are desired the word of God in that way as a newborn desires uh, milk. And we are to take in the meat of the word of God so we can continue to grow, not just dribbling in the milk of the word of God. And there are Christians, unfortunately, and please, I'm not trying to be judgmental or um, just harsh, but really in honesty. In the years of ministry that, that, that I've been ministering, and it can happen to any of us, that what happens over time, I've known Christians that have been Christians for years, and they're still dribbling milk. They haven't really grown in the Word of God. And my prayer for all of us is that we would have a hunger for the word of God, that we would take it in and we would eat it. And, and when we eat it, you know, the sweetness of the word of God, the promises of the Lord as we read it and the grace of, of our Lord, the provision of our Lord, the love of our Lord. I love to talk about those things, um, the, the wonderful promises of God that are given to us. But I also know that there can be a bitterness as well. Because as we read these prophecies, there's a bitterness that is there. As we talk about the consequences of sin, a rebellious heart, about separation from God for, for those who reject Jesus Christ, listen, there's a bitterness that is in all that. But all of it that we are to give to people, and, and we do give them the grace and love and the provision of Jesus Christ, but also part of the gospel message is you have sinned. And you have been separated from the Lord. And unless you repent and turn to Jesus Christ, that there is eternal separation. Hell is real. The lake of fire. The great white throne judgment. Those are all kind of bitter. But it's all part of the message. And Ezekiel is to give the message of God's word. Even though they may not receive it, don't be afraid. You are to speak it. You and I are to speak the truth in love. We're to do it in gentleness, as Paul wrote to Timothy, that a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, to bring those into correction, that they might come to repentance. So we are to be gentle. We're to do it in love, but we're to do it directly, and we're to do it honestly. And we're not helping people if we don't give them uh, the truth of God's word. So he continues here as he's told to eat this, um, this book this, that represents the word of God. And then in verse 4, then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not sent to uh, a people of unfamiliar familiar speech uh, and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not too many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. Interesting here. Even though you're going to go to those who speak your language, that is your brethren, he's there in captivity with them. A lot of the people are, are there in captivity that they will not listen to you because they have hardened their hearts. They have a rebellious spirit. If you went to those of unfamiliar speech, they would have listened. Isn't that interesting? It, it, it reminds me of what Jesus, what we've already seen in Matthew's gospel, that he looked at Capernaum and, and Chorazin and Bethsaida, those, 
those cities there on the, the Sea of Galilee, just to the north, where he spent much of his time, his ministry. And he said, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Chorazin, and, and you, Capernaum, who were exalted up to heaven. But you did not, you saw the mighty works of the Lord, but you did not believe. If Tyre and Sidon, what we're going to see in a couple Sundays is Jesus go to Tyre and Sidon and the, the amazing faith of a Gentile woman. You don't want to miss that teaching because I believe it's really going to touch your heart. He, he said if, if they would have seen the mighty works, they would have repented. If Sodom and Gomorrah, we know about Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis, if they saw what you saw, they would have repented long ago. And those are amazing words. And I believe that when Jesus, he brings that woe, that rebuke to those cities there. And it's interesting because Capernaum is a very beautiful place. And, and the north shores of the Sea of Galilee. One of the, the neat things about the Galilee region and, and the Sea of Galilee is the landscape hasn't changed much in 2,000 years. Very beautiful, very mild. Uh, I love it up there. It's one of my favorite places on the face of the earth. And, and as you go there, you think, why isn't it built up? You, you think there'd be houses there. You think there'd be apartments there, you know, water skiing and all of this. You have Tiberias that is to the west that isn't mentioned in the Gospels. We know that Josephus, that he mentions 200 villages in his historical book in the Galilee region. He doesn't mention Nazareth. Nazareth was a little insignificant town at the time of Jesus, his birth, and raised there. But he doesn't even mention Nazareth. And, of course, it was Philip that said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You go to Nazareth now, it's there in the mountains. It's, it's a large city. It's over 100,000 people there. Uh, very beautiful spot overlooking the Jezreel Valley. Uh, you go to Tiberias. It's, it's um, a city there, mostly of Orthodox Jews there on the west side, but Capernaum has never been rebuilt. It's just ruins. And Chorazin and Bethsaida, I just find that interesting. And I wonder why. I wonder why it's never been built up. But it's a blessing to be able to go there and kind of see the landscape that Jesus did. But I think his heart was breaking when he said that. Woe to you. You saw the mighty works. And you, Capernaum, the town of Jesus, were exalted to heaven. And for that time that Jesus was there, there, there was... Capernaum that was the Holy of Holies. The tangible presence of God was there. And yet they did not believe. And here he says, if you go to an unfamiliar language, you know, and the language wasn't a problem. It was the hardness of their hearts that they had to overcome. And, and as a nation, their hearts were toward, hard towards the Lord. And people's hearts and can be hard to the message of the Lord. And we need to understand that and not let it discourage us from telling the truth. But I believe even as Jesus was weeping, and you know that Peter, when he heard Jesus say that, woe to you, Chorazin, Bethsaida, you know, Capernaum, because Peter, Andrew, John, James, Philip, those, those guys were from those places. Most of the people, his disciples were from, you know, the, those towns there. And you know, they... It was hard for them to hear those words of Jesus. And it's hard for us as we look around, and, and even as Isaiah, it says that he wept at that difficult message they had to give to them, to a nation that rebelled. And Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, it, he wept at the message that he gave to them. And as we look around at the condition of our nation spiritually, morally, you know, we weep, don't we? We weep at what's going on. But we're to look to the Lord and we're to be faithful to him to speak the words and to be praying. But if we continue in verse 8, like um, in verse uh, 8, Behold, I have made your face um, strong against their faces and your foreheads strong against their foreheads. Like an adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are, are a rebellious house. Don't be afraid. Stand fast in the faith. Don't back down. Don't give up. Is similar words that he would give to Isaiah and Jeremiah, and those are similar words to us as well. Don't be afraid. Stand fast. Don't back down. 
Don't give up. You be an instrument of truth to others. Verse 10, Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears. So hearing with your ears is your ears are open, sensitive to hearing the voice of the Lord, and we are to do that, and also have those words in your heart. It's just not up here. Listen, when we talk to people, and this is very important, that it's just not a head exercise that blood all comes out and we're all ac academic. It should be coming from our hearts, and that makes a big difference. Your word is in my heart, Lord. And what is in my heart, of course, out of the mouth shows the abundance of the heart. And as we have the word of God in our hearts, sharing it with others, it will make a difference. Not just academic, not just blasting people, but having a heart for people as we share the word of God with others. It's so important um, that, that we have a heart for people and the word of God in our hearts as we speak to others. Uh, speak my words that I speak to you. Hear with your ears. Verse 11, and go and get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. Uh, I think sometimes we worry too much about how people will respond. We are to be an instrument of righteousness. And then as the door is open to them, again, we don't have to try to argue people into the kingdom. Have you ever argued somebody into the kingdom? And debate and endless debates and discussions and arguments and all of that. I never have. And I don't know anybody who has. But just simply speak. And that's what Jesus did. He was a wonderful example as we see in the Gospels. The Pharisees would come against him, ask him a question, try to trick him, back him into a corner. And he would say, it is written. Or, you know, have you not read? And he would quote the scriptures and let the word of God speak to their hearts. Because the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Let the word of God pierce their hearts. The spirit of God convict them. And we're to be vessels to deliver it to them. And sometimes we think, well, I can argue them in. Or I don't want to speak it because I, you know, want them to like me and, and all of this. Just be faithful to how the Lord leads you and the words that he gives to you to speak to people. And then in verse 12, then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a great thunderous voice. Blessed is the glory of the Lord from his place. Now, here we're going to see that he's lifted up. And this is going to be Ezekiel. He's lifted up by the Spirit. John, the Spirit, lifting him up. A door was open. And he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And he has these visions. And this is what happens with Ezekiel, verse 13. And I also heard the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touch one another and the noise of the wheels beside them and a great thunderous noise. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives that were at Tel Abib, who dwelt by the river Chabar. And I sat there where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. So Ezekiel knew that it wasn't going to be an easy ministry, but he went with the hand of the Lord that was on him. And here in verse 15, he's, he's taken a telebib, and as he is there among the captives. He is there, he remained there, astonished among them seven days as he sat with them. You know what a sign of a good minister is? Is one who sits where others sit. One who is with the people. A good shepherd is with the sheep. Jesus would be there. He would be sitting with those tax collectors and sinners. Remember when Matthew had them all over to his house ministering to them. We know that the common people heard him gladly. And we need to be amongst the people to be able to deliver God's word to them. And a good shepherd is going to be where the sheep are. Sheep that are sick and hungry and weak. Remember Jesus looked at the multitudes as sh sheep without a shepherd, scattered, weak. And then he prayed that may there be laborers that go out unto the harvest. We're going to be with people. And the Lord puts us with people and it's difficult and it's hard. You at the workplace, and with your family and neighbors and others. But I pray that the Lord uses you where he has placed you. 
And here he's astonished. He's with them for seven days. In verse 16, Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. So a watchman, we've talked about it before. A watchman was one who would sit on the wall of the city, and when he saw danger, he would sound the alarm. All the ancient cities... Uh, including Jerusalem, Babylon. Uh, they had walls around them to protect them, and they had gates that people would enter into. And when there was danger, they would close the gates. There was a watchman that was up on the wall. He would look out, and if he saw the enemy coming or danger coming, he would warn the people. So, Ezekiel, you're to be a watchman. You and I are to be a watchman in the days in which we are living, to be a watchman, a, a watchwoman. And, and to warn people the danger of rejecting Jesus Christ, to, to blow the trumpet, to give the message uh, that we are to give, that the Lord has us to give to others. We're to be a watchman, be watching, be wise. And it's so important that we do that and, and to warn people of, of what is ahead, to warn people what happens if you reject Jesus Christ. One of the things that we are told throughout Scripture is we are to watch, particularly in the New Testament. We are to watch, be sober, be vigilant, because we know that the Lord is coming back. And that's an exhortation concerning the coming of the Lord, that you're to be watchful, you're to watch out for the enemy, Satan. That exhortation to the Corinthians, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Watch for what? Watch out for the enemy. Watch out, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We can give that warning. Watch out for him. He wants to get a foothold in your life. He wants to destroy you. He wants to make you ineffective. He, he wants to beat you up, uh, oppress you. Uh, watch out. Don't go into his enemy because he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That comes from Peter's epistle in 1 Peter chapter 5. We also know that we are to watch, be watching for the Lord because he's going to come. And it is uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that Paul said that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Let us not sleep as others do, but watch and be sober. So again, be sober, be watching. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, the church of Sardis, they were told that you be watchful. And if you don't watch, I will come upon you as a thief, Jesus said to them. And Sardis, when you look at it historically, they were up on a bluff and they thought nobody could come against them and they would not be watching. And so it happened, I believe, twice in their history as we went over that, that they weren't watching and the, and the enemy found a way to get up there and overtake the city. And so we are told to be watching. We are told by Paul the Apostle. We're told by Jesus in that letter to the church of Sardis. But also in the Olivet Discourse, we are told by Jesus in Luke's narrative. Let me read it to you as he's talking about the signs of the time, the tribulation period, the coming of the Son of Man. And then he talks about the importance of watching. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life, and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For he will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. That is a term. Those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, you see it in the book of Revelation, it is a term of non-believers. It's going to come as a snare to them. Why? Because we are going to be taken out of and away from the hour of tribulation that shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. That's a promise in Revelation chapter 3, Church of Philadelphia, a promise for us. He will take us out of the hour of tribulation that shall come upon the whole earth. That's the tribulation period. And then Jesus says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Sometimes people say, Oh, you Christians that are looking for the rapture of the church, you know, looking for the return of the Lord, you're just, it's an escape. Well, do you want to be here when the tribulation happens? Jesus is saying there's a way of escape. He said, watch and pray, therefore, that you may be worthy to escape these things. What things? The things that he had been talking about in chapter 21, the tribulation period, this, all of that, um, that is going to come upon the whole world. And he said, you need to make sure that you don't get weighed down with, with cares of life, with with." 
you know, carnality to where that day, the day of the Lord, overtakes you unexpectedly. You need to watch. You need to be paying attention because there is a way of escape, and he's going to take us out of and away from that time, the day of the Lord, which is a period of time that begins with the tribulation period and extends all the way through the millennium reign of Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us that we are watchmen, that we're on the wall watching, being discerning in the days in which we are living in. It's so critical for us to do that and to be telling others. And, you know, it reminds me of Paul when he was in Corinth that, that he would give, you know, um, this, this warning to the people. I want to continue reading in verse 18. Let's read that. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hands. Yet if you warn the wicked, he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, I lay a stumbling block before him. He shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Verse 21, nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, he does not sin. He shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. These are heavy verses here. And when we read them, again, it reminds me, as I was about ready to say, that Paul, when he was in Corinth, he's there in the synagogue. He would go into the synagogue first uh, in his missionary journeys. And he would say to them as they rejected him that your blood be upon your own heads. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And it reminds me here what Ezekiel says. Give warning. And the watchman, if the watchman didn't give a warning and the people ended up dying, their blood be upon that watchman's head. But if he gave a warning and they ignored it, then, you know, it's because of their iniquity and and because they turned away. If they, they heed the warning, that's even better. I, I think that sometimes we can read these verses and we can think, well, you know, I had the mailman come for years and I, I never gave him the gospel or, you know, the, the person in line at the grocery store or, you know, that, that person that uh, I saw, you know, um, at school or whatever. I, I never really gave them the gospel. I, I think that that's too much of a burden for any of us to bear. Is their blood going to be upon my head because, and my hands because I didn't give them the gospel? Listen, as we go through Ezekiel again, that they will be responsible for their sin. But it also tells me how we're to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord, to share with them. We want to warn people, the opportunities given to us. We want to be sensitive to, to his prompting, to be able to tell that person, whoever it is, whether it's the mailman or a neighbor or a family member or an old friend, to give them the gospel. Because I think a lot of times that we get so busy with life and the cares of life or, you know, we get scared that we don't do that. So this is something really to pray through and to think about and, and to know that we are to be a watchman. And as you just sit where people sit and as you care for people, I think the Lord will lead you as you share with others as well. But let's continue in verse 20. Again, when the righteous, well, we did read verse 20 and 21. Let's finish the chapter, verse 22. Then the hand of the Lord was upon me there. And he said to me, rise and go out into the plain, and there I should talk with you. So I rose and went out into the plain, and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there, like the glory which I saw by the river Chapar. And I fell on my face, and then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spoke with me and said to me, Go shut yourself inside your house. And you, O son of man, surely they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that no you will be mute and not be one to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, He who hears, let him hear, and he who refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. This really helps me. You know, 
let the Lord speak through you. Let the Lord open your mouth to speak to others. Here he says that there's going to be a time you're going to be mute. And, and you're not going to speak. They're rebellious people is what they are. And we don't want to speak out of the flesh. We don't want to speak, you know, just um, to try to, uh, to, you know, start an argument or something like that. We want to speak when the Lord opens our mouth to speak by the Spirit of God leading us. And I think that's the real key for any of us. Be a watchman on the wall. Speak the truth of God's word and allow him to guide you and direct you as you do that. And you are going to be a tremendous blessing, a tremendous blessing to others and be used of the Lord, especially in the days in which we are in, because we are, I believe, in these last days. And I believe that we're seeing we're seeing just um, perilous things and difficult things around us. And, and we are to be a light to others and to be used in these days, being a watchman, speaking the truth of God's word as to the spirit of God just directs us and guides us and not holding back and not being afraid. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for these two chapters that really speak to us and, and helps us to remember that we are to be ones to speak to others, to, Lord, uh, not hold back, but, Lord, speak the truth in love, as Paul writes in the book of Ephesians. And, Lord, that you would guide us. May the Spirit of God open our mouths to speak the things that, that we are to do and, and to, to speak the truth. And, Lord, we can't lead people if you're not showing us. We're not allowing you to show us where to lead them. And we cannot speak to others if we're not taking in the word of God and having it in our hearts. To take in the meat of the word, to grow, to stand fast in faith. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you, to, to continue in the word of God, to be a watchman as on the wall, that we would give warning as, as parents, that we would give warnings to our children. That as we have people linked to us in our lives, that we would speak the truth, we would sound the alarm, we would be sober, we would be watching. We would watch out for the enemy who desires to come against us, but be watching for the return of the Lord as well. And so, Lord, help us to sort all these things out, to, to really, Lord, we are here to be used of you, to please you with our lives, to not be afraid, because we can be afraid when we see the things going on around us, but you told us not to be. And, Lord, that we would stand fast in you and in your word. So I pray you bless everyone here. We thank you for tonight's teaching and, and uh, looking forward to just being exhorted in the book of Ezekiel. We also look forward to coming together on Sunday as we continue in Matthew's gospel being ministered to by our Lord, the words of our Lord given to us. So uh, we're very grateful. Bless everyone here the rest of our week. And, Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Hope to see you on Sunday.